Bonjour and welcome to the Good Life France podcast. Everything you want to know about France and more. I'm Janine Marsh. I'm an author and travel writer. And though I was born in London, UK, I now live in a tiny village in the far north of France with 60 animals, including eight cats, two dogs, chickens, ducks, geese and a hedgehog called Charlie. <laughs> 60 animals is just <laughs> crazy. And bonjour, I'm Olivier, Oli for short. Uh, you may not be able to tell because I don't have any foreign accent at all, but I am from France. Though I have lived in the UK for 20 years and when I am not at work, I have a radio station that plays a fabulous French chanson. It's called Paris Chanson. Actually, Oli, before we start, why don't you tell us a little bit more about French chanson? Because although the word chanson means song in English, there's a little more to it than that, isn't there? Yeah, it's true. Chansons are songs, but in France, when we say, when we talk about la chanson française, we mean it to refer to a particular kind of song. Basically, where the words are as important, or maybe actually more important than the music, and usually it means the songs of the 1930s, 40s, and 50s, songs that are telling stories. There are lots of classic chanson singers, Charles Trenet, for instance, who sang La Mer, la, 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 la. and of course, Edith Piaf. I mean, who can ever forget the words of Non, je ne regrette rien, I regret nothing, the words touch your soul. I love that song, you know, when it starts and you hear that opening, sort of almost military sounding introduction. And I can't sing it as well as you just did La Mer, but, you know, <laughs> na, 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 na. gives me goose pimples when I hear that. What an amazing voice. And you can find Ollie's radio station at parischanson.fr. I'll spell it out for you at the end of the podcast. Oh, thank you very much, Janine. And yes, Edith Piaf song, very beautiful chanson. Absolutely amazing. But now, what's on the podcast menu today, Janine? Today, we're going to be talking about French superstitions and traditions. Yes, the French are rather a superstitious bunch, surprisingly, maybe. And some of the superstitions are very odd. And there are some really wonderful traditions too. Some are just as odd and some are lovely. So we'll touch on a few of those. The Good Life France podcast. Everything you want to know about France and more with Janine Marsh and Olivier Geoffrey. Now, I must say, being superstitious is normal in most, if not all, countries. And plenty of superstitions are the same in France as they are in many other countries, like, you know, not walking under a ladder, lucky black cats. But France has some superstitions that are very peculiar. And I am going to kick it off with a question to Olivier to show you what mm -hmm. I mean. So, Oli, yes. <laughs> the French believe it is lucky to tread in dog poo. Yes, dog poo. True or false? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is both true and false. It's only lucky if you tread in merde with your left foot. Remember, left foot. But if you tread in it with your right foot, not so lucky, I'm afraid. I've heard this before. And I even saw a shop in Paris once that was selling, quote, lucky dog shit from Paris, unquote. They obviously didn't follow their own advice because it wasn't a bestseller and the shop has now gone. But can you imagine someone coming to Paris for a holiday and then they bring you home a souvenir from their trip? Here you are, grandmother. I bought you a gift from Paris and maybe it would be all wrapped up nice the French way, you know, very stylish paper, ribbon, bit of glitter. And then imagine the anticipation of the person you're giving the gift to. They pull the ribbon. They gently peel back the paper. They left out the 10 and read those words. <laughs> and then look at you as if you have completely lost the plot and gone totally bonkers. <laughs> I can imagine the greetings of the owners of the shop as well. <laughs> Welcome to our shop. 
Yeah, very nice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why we say this really, but because um, it's not very lucky at all. You have a, a mess to deal with, uh, which of a foot. I think it was started as a joke uh, because in Paris, some people don't clear up after the dogs. And somehow the joke became a superstition that spread. Anyway, let's talk about something nice. The tradition of the fête du Muguet. Muguet is the lily of the valley flower, and in France, we give these lovely plants to our loved ones. King Charles IX of France was given a lily of the valley plant on the 1st of May in 1561. He was told it would bring him luck, and being a superstition person, he thought it would be a nice idea to give a lily of the valley plant every year on May the 1st to the ladies of his court to bring more luck all round. Over time, it became a tradition to offer a lily of the valley bouquet to bring good luck. The little white flowers were also made into a boutonniere or buttonhole in English for boys to wear to parties in the olden days where girls dressed in white were allowed to meet potential boyfriends. Those parties were called Bal du Muguet, Lily of the Valley Dances, and a sweet Moselle wine was served, and it was said that to be happy all year, one had only to drink the wine known as May Drink on May the 1st. And did you know that Prince William's wife, Kate Duchess of Cambridge, had a bouquet of Lily of the Valley for her wedding in 2011? She did, and it was such a beautiful bouquet as well. And I, I just love that lily of the valley tradition. It's a, it's a lovely scent, and I think it reminds people of you know their grandma and their childhood because it's, it's a tradition that it's a really family thing in France, but I think also elsewhere. But I really like the weird superstitions. So here's another one. One day, I was in our local supermarket and I was queuing at the checkout, which is normal in France. The checkout staff in rural French supermarkets pretty much know everyone that comes in and they always have a catch up and a kiss over the counter. It wouldn't matter who was there. It wouldn't matter if you know the president was, was in the queue waiting to get something urgently to get to a meeting. You'd still have to wait for the kiss and the chit chat. Anyway, doesn't matter who's in the queue. We wait for this important social ritual. And while I'm in the queue, I just listen to the chit chat because I'm nosy. And the woman in front of me who was pregnant said to the lady at the counter that she had seen a ibu, an owl, and that therefore her baby, her baby was going to be a girl. Now, my French is okay, but it's not perfect. So I wasn't sure I'd heard that right because it's a bit weird. When I got home, I looked it up. And sure enough, it's an old French superstition. French people say that if you see an owl when you're pregnant, it means you will give birth to a female child. Okay, that's uh, a bit of a strange one. You don't see that every day uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yes, yes, we do have some uh, very strange superstitions uh, in France. Like some people say that uh, if you sing on Halloween, it will create uh, stormy weather. Wow, can you imagine that? It'd be so scary. It's <laughs> Halloween. The sky is clear. <laughs> You're singing a nice little song in the kitchen. I don't know. It's raining men. And you're making a pumpkin pie. You're feeling all happy, festive. Glass of wine, maybe a nice little white from the Loire Valley or a deep red Bordeaux. You pop that pumpkin pie in the oven. It's been a lovely sunny day. And then suddenly a clap of thunder, a storm arrives and it's your fault. You were literally singing up a storm. You think to yourself, I did that. <gasps> there you go. <laughs> you did it again. <laughs> Yes, never sing in front of a French person at Halloween. Oh, I'm never going to do that now. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> okay, something else. Uh, when I was a kid, one of our neighbors used to say it was bad luck to cross a stream carrying a cat. Actually, in the old days, they used to believe that if you did that, someone in your family would die. Totally crazy. Wow. Um, Ollie, was that something you used to do a lot? A sort of human ferry service <laughs> carrying cats across a stream? Mm, no, never, actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, another cat one, uh, a funny one as well. If a cat sneezes near a bride on a wedding day, great, because that means the marriage will be happy. <laughs> And we also say uh, mariage plus vieux, mariage heureux, meaning if it rains at your wedding, you will have a happy life as a couple. Not sure I believe that one, actually. Speaking from personal experience, my first <laughs> marriage, where it poured, poured and poured with rain. And I am on my second marriage, and so I will say no more than, than that. Okay? Yeah, but was your marriage in France? No. Ah, you see. <laughs> oh, Only works okay. in France. <laughs> that is proper weird. And another one about brides and marriage. In France, when you move into a new home, you don't carry a bride over the threshold. You carry the dining room table first, if you want to be lucky. That's so French, isn't it? You know, the table for the food first, much more important. And thinking of food and that sort of thing, that makes me think of the tradition of clinking your glasses together for a toast in France. Now, that tradition is really common. You know, loads of countries do it. In English, certainly in the UK, we might say cheers and clink glasses and say uh, autumn's up or down the hatch. I don't know why we say that. Well, I guess because we glug it. Or chin chin. And in fact, the French often say chin chin too. Or they might say santé, your good health, or several other things that sound quite normal, you know, à la votre, to do with good health. But when the French say it and clink glasses, they stare into the eyes of the person they're clinking with because the superstition is if you don't do that, you will suffer seven years of bad sex. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And you can't cross the glasses either. It's bad luck too. I don't know that. But yeah, really. It happens to me wherever I go. And I'm, when I'm with French friends, and you have to be really careful to stare back because otherwise French people get a bit tetchy if you don't. And if you're in a bar in France and you see French people drinking and clinking and staring at each other like they've seen a ghost or goggle-eyed, this is the reason why. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Everything <laughs> is true. You must uh, stare each other in the eyes or you will suffer forever, almost. <laughs> <laughs> Now, let's talk about the tooth mouse. In some countries, when you're a kid and your tooth falls out, the tooth fairy comes and leaves you some money. Normal, classic. But in France, it's different. Obviously, it is. We have a tooth mouse called la petite souris. The little mouse collects the tooth and leaves one euro or more. Not as cute as a fairy, especially if a mouse scares you, but it works well with kids. <laughs> What was that? That just sounds mad to me. <laughs> that was me being a mouse. <laughs> uh, okay, sorry. Uh, can you imagine? You're just laying in bed and a little mouse scuttles across your pillow to take your tooth and leave a euro. No, it's proper weird. Okay. And talking of teeth, how's this for a really, really odd French superstition? My friends, Gary and Annette, live in a couple of villages along from my village and they had a really old dog called Bob, Bob the old dog. And he had some bad teeth that had to be taken out. So they went to the vets to get it dealt with. And when they went to collect Bob afterwards, the vet said, do you want to keep Bob's teeth? And Annette was like, why would we want to keep Bob's rotten teeth? And the vet said, well, it's for the moles. And Gary and Annette were like, but they wondered if the vet had had a glass or two of pastis. But no, it turns out that there was a waiting list for dog's teeth because in France, they say that dog's teeth in the garden keeps the moles away. 
I wonder if that's why they're called molars. Oh. <laughs> um, I'm laughing. <laughs> yeah, I am too inside. <laughs> okay, uh, let, let's continue <laughs> with that transition. Let's talk about some uh, foodie customs because this is France and we cannot talk for long without talking about food. Something very important to know. Never place a baguette or even bread in general upside down on a table. This superstition comes from long ago, days when uh, executioners could take things from shops without paying. And bakers would leave bread upside down for them. If you leave it upside down, it's said that the people who are meant to eat will be cursed and you will invite famine into your house. Blimey, it's a bit much, isn't it? Careful. <laughs> One of my favourite superstitions around food is when you go to a restaurant and there are 13 people in a group. And as you know, 13 is unlucky. And so the waiter puts an egg on the table to make it 14 and ward off the bad luck which, you know, it probably doesn't at all, or probably not. Maybe it does. Who knows? But anyway, apparently some people believe that putting an egg on the table, if there are 13 of you, makes it not unlucky. I've actually never been to anyone's house where there were 13 of us. So obviously people avoid having 13. But Ollie, if you had 13 people for dinner at your house, would you put an egg on the table? I wouldn't personally, no. But uh, I remember really well that during family reunions, when I was a kid, tables were arranged or, if needed, rearranged in a way to avoid being 13 on the same table, on one table. For example, eight adults would be using one table in one room and five kids, my cousins and I, would be using another one in another room to make sure we're not 13 on one table. Very sensible, Ollie's mum. You have to sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I think the most uh, superstitious people in France are uh, actors, actually, and people who work in the theatre. They have so many superstitions, like uh, never give a bouquet of carnations to an actress, because it was a tradition when theatres had uh, permanent actors for directors to offer roses to actresses when they renewed their contract, and carnations, which uh, were cheaper, to those who were no longer required. So... Not a good sign. And you should say merde while crossing your fingers to mean good luck to actors to not uh, break a leg like in the UK and uh, North America. Lots of words are unlucky too. Cord, which means rope, and rideau for curtain. And the color green is unlucky in the theater. Apparently, the, the great playwright Molière wore green for his last play and shortly after dropped down, dead. Same on TV. Green clothes are to be avoided if possible. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, there is one person who was very superstitious, actually, a French man. He was Napoleon Bonaparte, the great Napoleon. He really believed that Josephine, his beloved, brought him good luck. And I read that she really played up on it. So one time, one of his ministers went to her behind Napoleon's back and said, you know, it may be in the best interest of France to give your husband a divorce because she couldn't bear him children, which, you know, really important those days. So she reported it to Napoleon and she told him that she was afraid that if she did divorce him, it would bring him bad luck. And Napoleon really, really went for it. He got the minister to back down. He didn't push for a divorce, even though, you know, he knew really that he needed to do it. And it said that he really believed he was guided by a lucky star. He really believed Josephine brought him good luck. He hated the number 13 and he didn't like Fridays either. Well, that's the opposite to the French belief. Uh, Friday the 13th is supposed to be lucky. In fact, uh, it's known as uh, the best day to buy your lottery ticket in France. It's good luck. 
Places can be lucky too, like in uh, the Père Lachaise Cemetery in Paris, where some of the thousands of graves in there are said to bring luck. It's said that uh, if you visit the grave of French writer Alan Kardec, an unusual dolmen-shaped tomb known as the most flowery in the cemetery, you can make a wish and by touching a certain spot on the grave, it will come true. And if it does come true, you have to come back and lay flowers, which is why it's the most flowery grave in the cemetery. Wow, that's incredible, isn't it? And you're right. You know, there's so many lucky places in France. I love Dijon in Burgundy. It's one of my favourite cities in the whole of France. And on the corner of the Church of Notre Dame is a little brass owl. It said that if you rub the owl with your left hand, not your right hand, that doesn't count. But you have to rub it with your left hand and you make a wish, it will come true. I've done it several times and I've stood there and watched people come past, like the locals, visitors, loads of people come past and just rub the little owl. It's only a little one, it's like big as a hand. Have to say, my wish hasn't come true yet, but maybe if I buy a ticket on Friday the 13th, it will. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God, I think this episode will be very long. We also (laughs) believe uh, something else, that uh, if you see a ladybird or ladybug fly away, it's good luck or it can mean good weather is on the way. If the ladybird lands on you, count the dots on its back and that's how many happy months you will have. Or you can make a wish and the ladybird will take it to heaven for you. Or if you hold it uh, in your hand and it doesn't try to fly away, it means the bad weather is coming. It's a very old superstition and goes back more than 1,000 years. King Robert uh, the Pieux, uh, in French, born in the year 972, was uh, watching a prisoner being executed. And as a poor man uh, bent over to have his head uh, lopped off, a ladybird landed on his neck. The executioner tried to wave it away, but it stayed. So King Robert said it must be a sign from God that the prisoner was in fact innocent and he pardoned him. Wow. To me, that just goes to show how superstitions come about because you can just imagine people watching and seeing that ladybird and then someone must have said to their friends, oh, that ladybird saved him and made him lucky. And then it just spreads from there. Incredible, really. Anyway, back again in Paris, another lucky place near the famous Sorbonne University is a statue of de Montaigne, a French philosopher born in 1533. In the statue, he's sitting there with his legs crossed and there is a tradition for students to rub his right foot, not his left foot this time, right foot, and say, salut Montaigne, and it will bring good luck during the exams. That must look really weird. (laughs) Uh, another one, at the Bay of Saint-Girec in Plumanac in Brittany, there is a statue uh, as well of the uh, Irish monk uh, Saint-Girec who landed here in the 6th century and you'll see that his face is damaged. It used to be a custom for Breton girls to visit him and stick a pin in his nose. They did have a reason. Apparently, uh, this helped them get a husband, but eventually the poor saint lost his nose, obviously. I've seen that statue and he really does not have a nose. Beautiful statue on the beach, but no nose. Okay, there are hundreds and hundreds of superstitions, but here's just one last superstition and it's a good one. If you really want some good luck to flow your way, what you have to do is find a French sailor dressed in uniform, wearing his traditional bonnet on which there is a little red fluffy bobble. And then you have to twiddle the bobble. I don't know about twiddle, sounds like twaddle to me. However, I am going to the event of the Rouen Armada in June, which is an incredible week of all things nautical with ships from all over the world in port, street concerts, fireworks, all that stuff. And I'm going to see if I 
<laughs> I'm going to see if I can twiddle a bobble. Or maybe not. I might get arrested. Will I get arrested, Ollie? Can you film yourself? <laughs> yes. yes, and publish uh, it everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I will. Thank you. Got a question about France? Well, ask the experts. We reply to you in each episode. And we do it for free. So, Janine, it's time to answer uh, a listener's question. What have we been asked this week? Well, this week's question is from Janine Regan of Melbourne, Australia, who says, I love your podcast. Thank you, Janine. And your books, Janine. Thank you for that, the other Janine. And I have a question I hope you can answer. When do the seasons start and end in France? Here in Australia, the seasons start on the first day of the quarter. Summer is 1st of December, autumn 1st of March, winter 1st of June, spring 1st of September. But I believe it's a little different in France. Is that correct? So, Ollie, when do the seasons start in France? Yes. Um, France is in the northern hemisphere. So very different dates indeed. Our summer is the day of the summer solstice, generally June the 20th, 21st or 22nd. The day with the most daylight hours in the year, basically. Spring is on uh, usually around the 20th of March autumn around the 20th of September, and winter around the 20th of December, the day of the winter solstice, the day with the least daylight hours in the year. But the dates can change. The season's dates are based on the equinoxes and solstices for the year. Thanks, Ollie. So yes, Janine in Melbourne, quite different. But it could have been even more different. In the days following the French Revolution, the old Gregorian calendar that we know was done away with because the government that took over didn't want anything to do with religion. And the old calendar was secular and had saints days. So for a little while, a new calendar was used. This calendar began on October the 5th, 1793. And the year then became year one or Vendemiaire 1, not 1793 anymore. And all of the days were given different names. 365 different names. So, for instance, the 2nd of July became Lavande, meaning lavender, and the 12th of June was called Kailite, which means bed straw. And the weeks became 10 days long. The months were three weeks long. The months had their names changed too. So, January was called Pluvoise, from the Latin Pluviosus, meaning rainy, and July was called Thermidor, from the Greek Thermon, meaning heat. May, I can't remember if it was Florial or Primoire, something like that, which meant flowery. And the months reflected the weather and the planting season. So you had fog month, snow month, rain, wind, fruit, etc. The British called the French months snowy, flowy, blowy, showery, flowery, bowery, hoppy, croppy, droppy, breezy, sneezy, <laughs> freezy. <laughs> what are you saying, Janine? <laughs> Yes, well, it was ridiculous, you know. The new year started in September, and the end of the year was the month of Fructidor, August, and had five extra days. You know, the three-week-long months didn't work, basically. And it sounds ridiculously complicated, and it was, and basically it confused the heck out of everyone, as much as I've confused you listening to this, no doubt. <laughs> so that when Napoleon came to power and abolished the calendar and normality returned in 1806, everyone was totally relieved. I'm not surprised, really. Are you? No, no. The French Revolution. <laughs> what a mess it has been in France since it happened in 1789. <laughs> Oh, well, feel free to keep sending those questions in, as long as it's not about the French Revolution. No, I mean, <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. We love to answer them. Send them to Janine uh, at thegoodlifefrance.com and we'll do our best to help. This is The Good Life France podcast. 
Oh là là Le podcast The Good Life France Thank you so much for listening and a huge thank you to everyone sharing this podcast with friends and family. It means an awful lot to us. You can find me on thegoodlifefrance.com and everything you want to know about France and more. And there you can subscribe to my fun newsletter, this podcast, and to my award-winning free magazine at magazine.thegoodlifefrance.com. A lot of people ask me if it's possible to have a print copy, but at the moment, with the ever-increasing cost of ink, paper, and delivery, my choices are pass the cost on to the reader or go bankrupt. And neither of those choices appeal to me at the moment. So, you know, for now, it's online. It's totally free and utterly brilliant. Just ask the more than 12 million readers who have enjoyed the last five issues. Wow, that's a big number. It is. <laughs> And you can find me playing all those beautiful French chansons we were talking about earlier at parischanson.fr. Ollie, a lot of people ask me for those details and a lot of questions I get are, you know, where can I find Ollie's radio station? So just to make it really clear, the details are, and I'll spell it, P-A-R-I-S-C-H-A-N-S-O-N.com. FR, parischanson.fr. It's a fabulous free radio station that plays terrific French music. And I tell you what, it's really good for anyone learning French too, because they are stories and they're really clearly sung. So learn French with that. But for now, it's au revoir from me. And goodbye from me. Speak to you soon. The Good Life France podcast. Available on all podcast platforms. On thegoodlifefrance.com and on parischanson.fr. Oh, 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 o